Welcome to The Counter Offer. I am your host, Susanna Gray-Jones, recruitment strategist and owner of Chime Search. It is my belief that it's simply not worth being a mediocre recruiter. Recruiting is tough, and it is my mission to make sure that you get all the best tricks and use the daily rituals to be the highest earning billers to become exceptional recruiters. So tune in and learn the secrets that the elite don't want you to know. Have you ever heard that saying that most candidates who stay for a counteroffer, I think it's about 90%, end up leaving anyway after six months? In this episode, Luke Smith and me talk in depth about what a counteroffer looks like in bad practice, but also good practice. Take down some notes because literally I can tell you from my experience that a counteroffer is where many recruiters' dreams are made to die because they write down that fee, they get excited, and then suddenly that counteroffer comes into the picture. And it does take skill to make sure that your candidate is prepared and you're taking them through the steps. So tune in, take notes, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to our episode. I'm here today with my co-host, Luke Smith. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, Susanna. Yeah, Luke Smith. Uh, we both do rec direct and both work by ourselves, don't we? Unfortunately. Yeah. We do, but we keep each other company with we do. the highs and lows of rec direct and recruitment. And one of the things that I'm really grateful for, and I know you hate it because I say it all the time is like literally how much you've taught me. I came into this knowing nothing and I know we talk about it all the time, but I don't know if I would have lasted had you not warned me of the highs and lows why do you think, Luke, genuinely, why do you think most people start something like Rectorac or Perm Recruitment and they leave? What Good a question. cynical way to start the episode. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's one of the easier ways to start your own business. There's very low barrier to entry, client side. You used to do education recruitment. It's largely contract-based. So uh, you need to sort out invoice discounting, payroll, and... Also, you've got a cooling off period because you're working within the industry. So, so what did you do? You're a successful education recruitment director, and then you've gone and done rector egg. So you can go straight into the market. You knew that there's going to be a need from your own employer access. And, and I think it's, everyone knows that recruiters are generally, they're always looking to grow, aren't they? So it's yeah. very much a candidate short market. So, um, you know what the brutal truth is though? And this is like just speaking to like perm recruiters on a day to day basis. You know what I'm going to say, because it's the name of this podcast. I haven't even spoken about it yet on an episode, but the freaking counter offer. Like, mm-hmm. literally, yeah. I thought that it was just one of those things that either goes your way or doesn't go your way. And like, we spoke quite a lot about it. And I've been speaking to a few listeners because they've seen that it's yeah. called the counter offer. They're thinking to themselves, like, well, when are you going to talk about it? So I thought like it would be good to kind of pick your brains as you are my mentor and yeah. learn a bit more about actually what we mean and one of the questions that came up was how do you ensure so we've all been there right where your candidate is like so excited about the new role they're like they're so invested they've met the new team and then suddenly boom counter offer bounds on their plate and they're like really surprised and they're considering it and you as the recruiter are like panicking because you're like what am I going to do what advice do you have for those people because 
as it can be a surprise to many candidates when they do get that counter offer. Yeah, good call. Uh, I think we can only really influence probably 10 to 15%. So but part of that is you mentioned them being surprised. If they're surprised, you haven't done your job, right? Mm-hmm. You want to, it, 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 looking into the future, the crystal ball and looking at where they're at the moment. And there's a lot of people who, when you speak to them and they're going through the interview process, you ask that question, does your employer know you're looking? Are they aware of your frustrations? And a lot of the time it's no. So I got taught this by one of my, one of my first managers because I, I had a few yeah, people take counter offers and I was frustrated, just thinking, what has this happened to me? It's just bad luck. And he said to me, he said, look, have the conversation first up, uh, get them to go and have a chat with their employer. I know you feel like you're losing out on a candidate, but all you're doing is saving yourself time and going through the process and then losing them down the line and have the conversation, ask for the pay rise, let them know that you're not happy with A, B, and C. They can come back to you. You've generally got a candidate. And yeah. that's helped me a lot. So I guess what There's you're all- saying is like, if I had a great candidate and they said, Sue's like, I'm not happy because I feel like I'm micromanaged. You might say to them, well, can you speak to your manager first about it before we kind of go down the route of looking yeah, at yeah, the Well, a lot, a lot of people think they're undervalued. They think that they're underpaid. A lot of people think that other people are receiving pay rises around them, yet they haven't communicated anything. So yeah. 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 And then the second they hand in their notice, like, why didn't you talk to us and talk to give you a pay rise, whatever it may be. And then they're surprised, the employer mm-hmm. sorts them out. And I think it's difficult when it's purely down to financials and they're a strong candidate. It's always, you're always going to be susceptible to a counter to a degree, because if they can uh, sort them out financially, then what reason is there for them to leave? I think when yeah. it's personal, when they have it, when they have a difficult employer, when they're working for a business and they're seeing good people around them leave. That's hugely important. When you see really good people leave, the cracks are starting to appear. But yeah, I think you get taught when you start recruitment to close and sell and to a good degree, manipulate the candidate into taking a position, sell the benefits, talk about the frustrations and how many people who take a counter offer, the old stats on LinkedIn that you hear about all the time, what is it, 80, 90% end up leaving within yeah, just complete within six crap. months. It's, is it yeah, crap? Susanna, I've been hearing this for 15 years. I thought it was real. No? It's, it's, look, anyone who's been around recruitment long enough has heard that stat, whether it's 80, 90, 85% of people, it's completely fabricated and made up by recruiters. It's a fact. <laughs> Some people who take counter offers end up being looked after and they stay there for a hell of a long time. So it's made up by recruiters. I'd like to know who actually carries out these studies. That's what I'd like to know. So no, that, that's not true. And I've heard different percentages in the last, they all range between 70 and 90% leave in the first oh, six yeah. or nine months. I've taken that. So, so look. All these stats just, lying around, right? It's just, yeah, uh, yeah, but they're always to benefit the recruiter. There's no doubt about that. So you can see who's making these stats up. So all you can do is do your best and look forward. And I think the best thing to do is rather than sell the benefits and really hammer home the benefits of your client, is to really understand from the candidate's position where they're at, where their head's at. Sometimes you'll have a long, arduous interview process. It could be two months. Candidate's mindset, that candidate might have had something personal happen to them or their family. They might have changed their views in the business that they're working for. So I'm always saying, look, where's your head at the moment? How are you feeling about the opportunity? Is there anything that's concerning you? And just let them talk to you as a peer. And we talk about it often, don't we, with regards to 
be careful about saying, oh, if I get you this and this, will you accept? They will naturally tell you if they're going to accept. Yeah. Uh, and you'll yeah. come to that decision together if you act in their best interest. And I'm also of the opinion that if you do right by people, they'll come back to you. So rather than pulling out the stats on, look, if you don't take this, chances are you're going to leave within six months because 92% do. If you do well by that candidate, they'll come back to you when they do leave. That's Or they'll refer people, right? One thing that I've started doing from the very beginning, when I speak to people, I will say to them, what will your current employer say when you resign? So like from the first stage. And if they say to me, oh, I don't know, I haven't thought about it. And I'm okay, they haven't really thought about this. They'll probably end up saying for a counter offer. But if they say, I've really thought about it and there's nothing they can do, uh, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm like, are you sure? Is there anything they could do? Anything. Let's, and I'd give them scenarios. Like, what if they could give you 10 yeah, grand pay rise? And then they'll be like, oh, maybe. And then I'm like, okay, we'll talk to them first. Like, I give them scenarios. Perfect. I give them stories. I walk them through that so that when they do come to that counter offer, they're not surprised when they're like, oh, it's so flattery. Yeah, we're all flattery is like the biggest thing, isn't it? No, but you're, you're doing the right thing. It's what we said at the start where, if they are surprised, you as a recruiter haven't done the right job, as in you haven't advised them correctly, because they are surprised you, you've missed something somewhere. I love it when they say, yeah, but they won't, but they won't. What, why is that? Oh, the last person they, you handed in the notice said they didn't give them a counteroffer. Okay, how were they performing? And then you get into it and they'll probably like barely pushed out the door. And this individual might be the top pillar in the business and it's completely different. So. Yeah, I think conversely, uh, speaking to your client the whole way through, I think a lot of recruiters, they want to let give the client good news all the time, yeah. whereas all they want is to know exactly where the candidate's at. Yeah. And again, if a client thinks they're 100% certain this candidate will join because you're giving amazing feedback to the client all the way along, but you know, deep down, you've got them out to another interview or there's a real chance they might may take an uh, counter. You need to communicate that early on. And then yeah. all of a sudden you and the client are working together. And if it does fall down, you both see it coming. Yeah. I, th I think we're so keen to give good news. Yet when we send a dud candidate or someone who performs poorly, they're on the phone to you straight away, letting yeah. you know where, the, where they fell down. So you kind of use, you lose that pedestal anxiety with clients after a few years and they're just people too, but you both want the same outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So you are working together here. I yeah, like that. Sorry. It's so funny because I'm naturally, as you probably know, quite a bit of a control freak. <laughs> yeah. You know that, where we can say yeah, that. Yeah. But like, sometimes I do feel like when we get to that point where they get that offer, that counter offer that they weren't expecting, I feel like I want to control the process. But you're just too late at that point. And I've learned that the hard way. They will not Trends. be controlled. They will not be controlled. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's almost like, what do I do now? It's like, well, the damage is already done half the time. I think before offer comes, it's finding out what's crucially important to he or she and in order of priorities. And sometimes it might be financial. Sometimes it might be flexible working. Sometimes it might be that they have a spouse that works away a lot. And they need to be flexible and working from home certain days of the week. And you know, if you lose one, if you were to lose one out of these three benefits, which would it be? And which one? So, so it's just understanding what's really important to the individual and relaying that back to the clients. They hammer home the benefits of working for their brand and their employer while still thinking of the candidate, what's important to them. Yeah. And then, and, but look, some, you can do everything right sometimes and people still take a counter. So it's, it's never foolproof. 
that doesn't mean yeah. you shouldn't do it. But I don't know if contract recruitment is different to perm. I've always worked perm recruitment and I think you build lasting relationships when you're not trying to just push your fee in. Um, yes. That comes to having a pipeline though, I think, because I don't know about you, yeah. but like right now I had a really good week last week. So now I'm okay. I don't feel like hunting right now, but this is when I need to hunt because if any of those deals don't go through, I know that even if I try and hide it, the desperation will be really clear in my voice, like really clear. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be on yeah, like the correct. bottom of the desperation roller coaster. So, and I yeah. think I hate to say it, but shit recruiters shit recruiters are the ones who are basically failing when it comes to counter offers because they're begging, they're using those stats, like you said, and they're just not having their back. And one thing you said to me once, you said to me, Suze, say to the candidate, I've got your back, whatever you decide, because even if I don't agree with it, I will give you advice, but whatever you decide. And just saying that, it means so much to that candidate, knowing that you yeah, have Yeah, I think I, I did it for the first few years. You think it's bad luck. And you realize after a certain period of time, there's no such thing as in you either do all you can, you do it right, or you don't. And they are more susceptible to a counteroffer because of what you didn't do. But again, you can only influence about 15%, let's say 15, 20%. You're not going to work miracles and have everyone accept. It's just not going to happen. And I think also when you're speaking to people, giving them really good solid feedback Sometimes I speak to people in RecDirect and they might be only billing, let's say they're billing 200K a year, but they're on a 60K base and they're earning, they're earning 90, 95 all in. And they're like, oh, I'm keen to see what's out there. And you're like, actually, you probably overpaid. You're thinking, you're like, okay, why would you want to look at other opportunities? Well, I just want to see if I could get more. So it's purely just to see if you're yeah. financially being looked after. I just say, look, we're probably earning right now more than you'll earn anywhere else in recruitment yeah. if you're earning. 90, 95K for billing 200. Most companies you're in a third, so 65, give or take, all in. So yes, you don't have a candidate to go out and interview, but they really appreciate you saying that. And some people come back and it's like, look, I know I'm earning really good money, but I can't spend my boy out. So I'm prepared to take a hit financially to go to the right brand that's going to elevate my career. So I go from yeah. a 200 to a 350K bill up. But ju- just trying to push people out all the time, that will lead to all counters and people not accepting and some people, there's a chap I used to work with. He didn't have the highest number of people out interviewed, but his, his hit rate for interview to acceptance was really high. And he did the small things right like that. And he advised a lot of people where he, he could have put them out on interview and his clients would have loved seeing them, but they were just fishing. And, yeah. and, I hate and, that. and also, yeah, but you know, they don't know. They don't know. So that chap was earning almost 50% all in of what he was billing. But he actually thought he was underpaid. So, so he needs to educate him. And that's where it's great. A recruiter can be an advisor in any industry. And people come to you often. It's like when you used to do education recruitment. I'm like, Susanna, do you know that these guys did this and this? And or I'll just give you the full gamut of what's available to you. And you can tell me what you want to do from there. So that's, yeah. where, that's where we can really help. And yeah. it's about being honest with people where they are performing well. You let them know that rather than just trying to get them out there and hoping they might change their mind and just join somewhere. For the sake of it. Yeah. Which is where the transactional recruiter comes in, right? Like I think yeah. you've never had that candidate. If that candidate hasn't even considered what their current employer thinks of them or what they might do, then you don't have a candidate in the first place. And that surely that's any industry, right? Like I, I think like there's been so many cases where I've had a great candidate and I just know I won't be able to place them because I know they'll get a counter off and I know that they'll say yes. 
And I've walked away and it's been so freaking hard. But then I've also had the ones, and this is what I want to know, because I've never asked you this before. What about when they are getting the counter offer and they want to talk to you as the advisor? And you know damn well that you want them to go to your placement. How do you advise them without being forceful? <laughs> yeah, it all depends on where their head's at. And sometimes it's frustrating because you know that the opportunity you have is a better option. But be it they have personal relationships in the business or they fear the unknown, they'll leap and the net will appear. And so it all depends on, again, it's just understanding where their head's at and advising. And sometimes you do have to push the other client's case across without a doubt, rather than being completely, we all want to come across impartial and always be a friend giving someone advice. There's a fee attached to the end of it. And they know that. Yeah, they know that. that. Yeah. I think sometimes I, it's I, good I, just telling them that, saying, look, I'm biased. Like, this is what I think. But ultimately, you have to do what's right for you. Speak to your friends, speak to your family. They'll trust your instincts here. But this is what I think. Yeah. I think a lot of the time, it's not down to the features and benefits of staying versus going. People don't back themselves. People fear the unknown. People fear starting a new business, having to prove themselves again. Whereas they're leaving a bit of a safety net with a home where, they could have a couple of bad months and they know that they've got the runs on the board. So yeah. it's your job to find out where their, I suppose, lack of commitment lies. And that's what it is. And sometimes people don't back themselves and they've been there for a long time. I typically don't tend to call people who have been at a business for over 10 years. I just don't. I, really? I, I, I probably shouldn't. Yeah, I, I just think they're indoctrinated, part of the furniture. I just think if they haven't left in 10 years, why waste my time calling someone where the next profile's probably been there between two and five years and they've always so 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 that's just the way i see it and i'm probably missing out on a few people there but once people have been there for north of a decade it's hard to know what's going to drag them away if they haven't left in the last 10 years in my eyes personally yeah saying it doesn't happen i'm just saying i I just think there's you've got to sum up a profile on, on, on linkedin by doing that so so yeah i've got a i've got a difficult question for you i love this episode it's like ask luke (laughs) this question came up What do you do if you know that candidate who's had an offer, a counter offer, in your gut, that counter offer is much better than what your job is and they want your advice? Like, say, for example, I said, I don't know, I've had an offer from, I don't know, let's say Boots and uh, the other pharmacy is offering me the one that I was with already. They've offered me shares and it's so good, but you want me to go to Boots but you know that actually I'd be better off my original. Yeah, it's it's a really good question. Outside of Lark and Crow at the same time. Look, what you can do, let's say someone's on a lowish basic, let's say 40, 45K, they've been in a company a long time and they go to handle their notice and you've got them a 10K uplift and they get a 10K uplift on top of that. So they go from yeah. 40, you get them 50 and then they're offered to stay at 60. If they come to me and, and that's happened before, I seriously say, look, you've been undervalued for such a long time. If you hadn't come to me, how long will it be until you receive a genuine pay rise without you threatening to leave that employee? I like that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true. So it's all of a sudden your market worth's gone from 40 to 60. What if I had secured you an offer at 60? What would they have done then? What at least I've got you starting at 50. That's your base starting point. And you'll have a pay review within six months. So it's just getting them to understand that this isn't like, oh, great, I've had 20K land in my pocket. You've actually been undervalued there for a long time. 
Yeah. And they're only paying you your market worth now because you've threatened to leave. Yeah. And that should concern, that, that should really concern you. Uh, other times, some people do get astonishing pay rises and guarantees. I've had one chap have a 10K sign on to stay and they put it in his wow. account within 24 hours. And sometimes you just say, look, uh, yeah, hands up. There's not much I can do about that. And yeah. you relate to the client and look, let's just watch your space and see how we go. So I think it comes down to all depending on if they have concerns about the relationships and the employee brand and how the business is ran, that's different. If it's purely down to financials and you get blown away by the counter, it's tough to go beyond that, isn't yeah. it? It's tough to counteract that. A lot of the time, it isn't just financial. A lot of the time, it's structural. It's who they're... A lot, a lot of people will say, I find, speaking to experienced recruiters, the business isn't the same as when they first started. Yeah. But I don't think that's the case. A lot of people... A lot of people start off as trainees and then they become the leaders of the business, as in highest performers, the go-to people in the business. And all yeah. of a sudden they're looking around now, they're looking at trainees. Whereas when they started, they looked up to people like them. And yeah. I think they don't realize their own development within a business. So, so yeah, people's perceptions change over time, I find. That is so true. I think a lot of people, I think there's a huge amount of imposter syndrome going around, like to the point... Yeah that I would say the people that I have lost the counter offers is because they don't believe in themselves, right? Like you and me in the early days, often I've always struggled the tiny bit with self-belief. Like, I don't think I'm that great filler. Even if I'm a great, even if I do a really good deal, I'm still not great because I need to do more, more, more. And I always struggled with that. And I think when you were trying to headhunt me all those years ago, I was like, oh, maybe I am quite good. So I might like go and suss out the company. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. And then I would go and suss out the company, maybe get an amazing offer, and then be really surprised when my current company were like, we love you, we want you to stay. I'd be like, wow. But I think there are a lot of people like they've got imposter syndrome. And yeah. it's difficult for employers with those people because they consistently feel like they are going to leave and like you can't consistently praise people to the point that they're going to have enough. Because I believe that some people are just addicted to praise and want more and more. So there's that. Yeah, I think. Imposter syndrome is real and everyone, well, I had it, I think when I started moving from contingent to exact search, I used to only work on like research roles thinking, oh, they're the type of people I'll be comfortable placing rather than speaking to an originator, a director, or a partner, because they wouldn't waste the time speaking to a rector. And it's all about how you see yourself, isn't it? And I think it comes with experience and time. And after a while, you learn that everyone's got their own problems and we're all here to make an income but uh, yeah it happens a lot yes so true i got a question for you before we round up yeah what's been your biggest ever loss from a counter offer what kind of fee what's been your biggest fee that you've lost from a counter offer i oh, don't say that i don't really want to know that i know one time i foolishly gave six month 100 percent rebate because it was a new joint venture startup an investment and i got a call it was in the fifth month and it was a decent fee. It was, yeah, which pays a decent fee. And so it was probably two or three weeks from the six months lapsing and Hi. the individual had left. And I had a coin, not a new 26 inch iMac, had a coin, threw it on the table, bounced off and broke the screen. So it was a bit of a double oh, whammy. Oh. But I, I kept that broken screen for a long time, just as a reminder that never get ahead of yourself. So yeah. No uh, way. So that, that was... I can give advice to anyone. It would be 
it's always, you get those people who go, oh, I built an X amount, but I had three dropouts. Oh, I almost had a good month, but four people didn't take a role. We used to have it in our business where if a dropout happens, move on, don't mention that name again and just yeah. cut it, move on. It it's a waste it, yeah. of time. Don't talk about, I built X amount and it would have been more if it wasn't so unlucky. I just just move on. So, so how much did you lose? Uh, I, I'm not going to say the number. but um, Come on, Luke. No one's going to uh, die. It's fine. Um, look, it was a long time ago and my average fee was probably, I'm doing like junior level recruitment. So average fee was 8K and it was over double that because it was oh, a, what? so it was a good fee. At the time it was huge. And yeah, I remember the pain I felt when I lost it. So yeah. What is the biggest ever fee that you've built? Single placement? Uh, the, it was for a team move and it was a 100K fee. But they dropped it. That was for two people, but they actually dropped it to 80K because I got married and they paid it in advance of the wedding. So That's we managed awesome. to negotiate a 20% discount for quick payment, which I needed to pay for the wedding just quietly. So, so yeah. Mental 80K yeah. fee. That's well, awesome. well, it was two people. So it's really 240. So, so yeah. yeah, they're a really good client. And the guys are doing well, touch wood. Yeah, honest, fingers yeah. crossed. What about you, <laughs> Susanna? Are you on the other foot? I don't know. I think about 15K. That's still good. You've only been doing education recruitment for, well, well, sorry, Rectorect for two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm trying so to get that up. I and mean, my average fee now was about sort of eight, 8K. So yeah, I'm trying to yeah, get you're, you're, that 15K fee is about to be broken, hopefully twice. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Let's not talk about it until, until they start. <laughs> exactly. Never write but, it down yeah, until but, they start. I suppose rounding up, if uh, someone was new to recruitment, I would just say both the candidate and the client, keep them updated at all times. Always check in with the recruiter, less about how you feel about this offer and how great the opportunity is to work for your client and more about where's your head at? How does that yeah. make you feel? Yeah. You're Throughout about the your process. Notice. Things yeah, you're change. Notice. Things change. Yeah, yeah. Next Tuesday, you're handing your notice. How are you feeling about that? As in, and then just talk about scenarios as you suggested. All, I love that. That's all you can do. And keep your client informed the whole way along. So there's no surprises with them as yes. well. Yes. Um, Always pick up the phone. Some recruiters don't even speak to their candidates like after they've had that initial call, like it's sets. And I think like pick up the phone, be a consultant, agree. be transactional, because honestly, it, it's the difference between a strong recruiter and a crap recruiter, basically. So yeah. No, I agree. I agree cool. completely. Awesome. Thank you for your wisdom. And if anyone has any questions or wants to get in touch, how can they get in touch with you, Lou? Just my mobile, which is going to be on the screen somewhere. So, so yeah. Awesome. And as usual, please do get in touch if you're looking for that next recruitment role, or even if you just want to know like how much money is out there for you, because I think everyone deserves the right to know what that blind spot is and what else they could be getting elsewhere. Even if you're not ready to make the move now, get in touch and just find out because you might be, no, we'll you might, might be underpaid. Cool. Awesome. Take care. Thanks, Susanna. Bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, please leave us a five-star review. We continually try to get the top billers in the world of recruitment to help you increase your billings, be a top commission earner, and most importantly, live your most rewarding life. You can find out about new roles on my Instagram at Susanna Chime Search, and you can find me on LinkedIn or join the Chime Searches page to get all of the latest recruitment updates and tips. Thank you for listening.